judge them. Oh, he will come and judge them. God is the God of justice, but God so loved the world that he came and saved. We're going to come to that in just a minute. Explore what Paul says there. There are own goals in the churches today. And I don't know what you do with divorce. If two Christians divorce, and there are some instances where they're allowed to divorce, where Jesus concedes to our hard hearts. I don't know how you reconcile those two passages with the don't take each other to court. Maybe if you divorce, your attitude should be don't divorce. But Christians who do divorce because of marital unfaithfulness or something, first, don't divorce. Secondly, it's not about the property. See, this is what the case is. It's all about the property. It's all about what I can get out of you. And isn't it always the case that when you see somebody taking another person to court, they always, the, the, the plaintiff always asks for more than his due. And there are own goals in our church. We have to have church insurance. Because one of you might trip on the carpet and sue us. Actually, Hopefully it's more because we run things for outside people and they might sue us. We've got all the safe church stuff. You know what Paul says in verses 2 and 3 and 5? Paul says to us that there will always be, this side of eternity, disagreements among Christians. You are going to fight with someone. And they're probably going to do something that you say, you have impinged on my rights. But Paul says, don't you realize who you are in Christ? He says, in Christ, one day, you, yes, you, Colin, Eddie, Rhea, Graham, Jim, Margaret, John, Helen, Val, Glennis, Pam, Joan, you, 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 <laughs> Mark and Nadine, Debbie, everyone here, sorry, Wayne, Viv. Anna-Marie, Tara, if I haven't mentioned you, I'm sorry. If you are a Christian, you will judge the world when Jesus comes back. Paul gets this idea from Daniel chapter 7 where Daniel sees the mighty one coming down and his people judging the earth. And not just the earth, Paul says you're going to judge angels. God is entrusting you on the day when Jesus returns to judge the world and instead of living out of that truth and aspiring to who you will be, you go to people outside the church who you are one day going to judge and you say to them, I can't sort this out. It's kind of stupid. Okay, and maybe, maybe I can't sort it out. But if I am having a fight with Graham, there are wise people in this church who can intercede for us. <laughs> and that's the wrong attitude. The right attitude says, yeah, I will lose. 
if it means keeping you in the church and keeping your faith. And if you want, I've got some great books all about biblical peacemaking. You can train yourselves. Paul says these are trivial cases. Oh yeah, he stole my house. I went on holiday and he moved in. And he won't get. Trivial. Trivial. In the light of eternity. Oh yeah, you've got a, you're missing a house. Guess what? You've got a mansion in heaven one day. You've got a room in God's house. And I think today, and it's been the case since the Reformation, if we have a theological argument, we'll take it to the church. If it's about, you know, worldly stuff, we'll take it to the world. Isn't that true? And Paul says, what is wrong with you? If you are a follower of Christ, who is the wisdom of God, if you have God Himself in you, and God the Spirit in our church, are you really going to besmirch the name of the church for the sake of stuff? for the sake of your rights. I'm not saying we're not allowed to use the legal system. Paul used it very well. But you notice how Paul used the legal system. He used it to defend himself from the state. When the Jews in every town that he went to attacked him, he didn't take them to court. Closest he gets is he says, save me, arrest me. And it's tempting to think up all sorts of ways to get around what Paul is saying here. There are theology books that spend a huge amount of time turning around and saying, actually there are some times when Christians can't sue each other. Now Paul is sometimes complex and difficult. Peter says that. But you can't get clearer than this. Christian reconciliation is the only option if the person is a Christian. And see, he says, Paul, if we take our squabbles to the outside courts, we are betraying our calling. And the problem, as we've said, is letting my rights rule instead of God's grace. And Paul says, you know what? 
you've lost whatever you do. And actually, if you can't even work it out in, in, in the church, you've lost. You've lost. He says to the plaintiff in verse 7, what does he say over there? He says, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourself be cheated? Now, I think he's speaking in particular to the plaintiff there, but, but by the way, all of the yous in there are plurals. Why don't yous let yourselves be cheated? In verse 8, he says to the defendant, well, you've lost as well. Yeah, you might have got some stuff in the short term, but wow. You stand in danger of losing your in inheritance from God. The gospel challenge says, why not be wronged? Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, I tell you, I tell you, not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but don't resist the one who is evil. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, give them the other cheek as well. If you would be sued by anyone and, and they want your coat, give them your jacket as well. I mean, isn't the gospel about Jesus giving up his rights to save us? Being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became like us. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 3, 2, 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus told the rich young ruler, Mark uh, chapter 10, I think, he, he told the rich young ruler to, to give up his property and to follow Jesus. Paul says it's better to be defrauded to show the world something of the gospel. And one day God will vindicate all injustices. He will. God will reveal His people. And, and the whole idea of giving up our rights is, there's a lovely Catholic word, anathema. Basically means, ooh, not on your nelly. Anathema. Prohibited. We don't give up our rights. We do not give up our rights. And Paul says, well, kind of, that's the whole point of Christianity. You give up. He who holds on to his life will lose it, and he who lets go of his life will find it, said Jesus. And Paul's looking at fraud and injustice, and he looks at, at the Corinthians in his memory, and he says, well, you know what? I know you got, I know what you were. And won't you stop living that way? You were like this. You were, what does he say? You were those who indulge in sexual sin. You were those who worshipped idols. You did commit adultery. You were male prostitutes. Wow, how would we go if we had a male prostitute, ex-male prostitute in our church? How would we go if we had a real prostitute in our church? Or a homosexual guy. How would we go if we had a thief? Or someone who committed adultery? Or a person who's greedy? Or a person who gets drunk? 
or loses his temper and gets abusive or just in subtle ways cheats people. Paul warns twice. He says people like that will not inherit the kingdom. Oh gosh. You know what? I had an extra helping of pudding last night and I'm going to burn in hell forever because of it. No. Paul's looking here at repeated, constant, I will do this and I can keep living as I want. He says, you deceive yourself if you think you can live like the world and pull the wool over God's eyes. He wouldn't warn people if he didn't fear that at least a few people in the congregation were, were maybe masquerading as believers. you're a follower of Christ, you have eternal security. Fantastic. But only Jesus knows who are his. And Paul says, you know what, the only way that I can begin to look is, is to see, are you living like someone in the world? Or you've been a Christian for 45 years, fantastic, and you still get drunk every night. And you're not seeking help. You're seeking help, brilliant, we'll help you. Are you just happy to live like you were living? Uh, don't get me wrong, fraud amongst Christians is not an option. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, you go and rebuke him. And then you say to him, hey, that was wrong. And if he says, I am so sorry, that was wrong, I know it was wrong, Paul, uh, Jesus says, well, forgive him. And if he then goes and does it seven more times, and each time you go to him, you say, hey, what's happening here? And he says, oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm trying not to, and God, I'm praying about it. Would you forgive me? Jesus says, well, forgive him. But Jesus also says, if there's a dispute amongst us, what do you do first? You go to the person, you speak one-on-one, then you bring somebody else in, then you bring the whole church in. And if the church can't resolve it, well, hand him over to Satan, excommunicate him for a little bit so that he might be saved and take the loss. Oh, Nick, but it was it was a million dollars. Take the loss. See, it all comes back to who we are in Christ. Oh, by the way, it would be so easy to get stuck in on the homosexuality and the male prostitutes thing over there. Um, let me just say one thing. Even if, and I'm not sure it is, if homosexuality is genetically predisposed, that does not mean it is morally acceptable for you. If you are genetically predisposed to get drunk, or if you are genetically predisposed to find women attractive if you're a man, or men attractive if you're a woman, that doesn't give you the right to do what you want. An alcoholic can't just say, well, I'm an alcoholic, it's who I am. A homosexual can't just say, I'm a homosexual, it's who I am, and, and that means it's okay for me. Paul says, you know what, you're a new person in Christ. Put off the old. 
take up the new. You see, for Paul, it all comes back to verse 11. Who we are in Christ. Everything is summed up in this. Fighting with each other? Who are you in Jesus? Someone's defrauding you? Do you remember what Jesus did? You want to be like him? Your lifestyle looks like this. Who are you in Jesus? What does he call you to be? calls us to be perfect. And we'll be perfect one day when he comes back. The behavior of verses 9 and 10 was who they were. But verse 11, because of what Jesus has done, or what the Father has done through Jesus by the Spirit, we are different. And so we are to be different and we are to behave differently from the world. Because God has already washed away the stains. He looks at us. Remember Paul started this letter saying, when God looks at you, he sees the perfect church. And Paul says, yeah, live like it. Just live like it. And if it's about grace, yeah, go for grace. Don't make it cheap grace. I'm sure I've told you the Bonhoeffer quote. Cheap grace is... um, Oh, I can't remember the quote now. Cheap grace is saying, I forgive you, without somebody saying, I'm sorry. Grace is never cheap. Grace cost Jesus his life. And grace might cost you your rights, your stuff, might cost you your life. You know, the amazing thing is that where grace is shown, there Jesus is seen. Mr. McLibre, over to you. Can I just mention one other notice, Mark, if I may? Um, there are, if you could have a read through the bulletin, there's, there's a great letter there from Fran about the Sunday school. Uh, we really do need, when we have all the kids here, we really do need three separate groups, and so we're praying for more leaders and more helpers. Um, could you pray, and definitely keep praying for the Sunday school, and pray whether you could help. Um, also, um, with the youth group that's, that's on break at the moment, but carrying on next term, um, Taryn's university contacted her, contacted her on Friday and said, well, you've got a class on, on early Friday afternoon. And so we're looking for somebody to, to come and run around and be silly with the young boys. Um, she should be around for the, for the older kids. But it is so much fun. Joan. Could you mention it? Oh, no, I'll mention it. Um, I'm sorry, Joan. I didn't even think. Uh, Joan is part of WIN, which is a prayer network, and they are having a uh, training, I think it's two days, a seminar with Brian Pickering on intercessory prayer. Yeah. So if if you want to know about that and you want to pray for people and you want to really lift them before the Lord, 
Hey, anyone can pray, but if you get some... Fantastic. Have a read of it next week.